Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was, not, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, And it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Father, we ask this morning that You would help us understand Your Word. That You would give us wisdom and insight that our hearts would come to know You. For those who are blind and hard-hearted, who do not know the realities of the Gospel, who think that they are too far from You, would You soften their hearts and show them that is not the case. For the children who have backslidden and who are uh, disobedient, who are running, would you convict them and lead them to repentance? And for those who have shown up sorrowful, doubting, wondering where you are, would you comfort them? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In our passage this morning, we're seeing uh, Jesus go from uh, the Jewish region to a Gentile region. He comes to Tyre and Sidon. And we're introduced to a woman and her daughter. This woman is desperate. She hears that Jesus is in the area. And so she thinks to herself, if I get to Jesus, my daughter can be healed. So she finds Jesus and she pleads with Jesus and she is met with silence from Jesus. 
she's met with annoyance from the disciples. And yet she keeps on pleading. Jesus reminds His disciples who He came for. The lost sheep of Israel. And as the woman pleads more, He reminds the woman who He came for. The lost sheep of Israel. But the woman sees something in Jesus that the Pharisees above in in verses 1-20 through didn't see in Jesus and haven't seen in Jesus. That there is enough bread for her too. What length would you go to to see someone you love healed? Imagine with me for a moment. There's a traveling doctor who arrives in Oshkosh. You live in Appleton and the person you love is bedridden. And the doctor who comes to Oshkosh specifically cures people with the case that your loved one has. Not only do they deal with that specific case, but they have a 100% track record of curing all those who came to Him. How desperate would you be to go to that doctor? Are you desperate enough where if you had a car, you would drive down? What if you didn't have a car and you were forced to walk? Would you be desperate enough to walk? What happens if it is February? Would you be desperate enough to walk to the doctor who has a 100% curing accuracy? What if it was the middle of February and it was snowing out and you had to walk uphill both ways? Would you go to that doctor? What if that doctor said to you, I'm sorry, I don't deal with patients from Appleton. People from Appleton are just different. They're a little bit more stinky and less hygienic. Would you plead with the doctor again? We are sin-sick sinners. This society is sick with Sin, and yet, oftentimes, our urgency or seriousness is minimal. Do you see Jesus as the one who can cure 
your disease. Do you see Jesus as enough? Because what we are seeing in this passage this morning is something incredible. Jesus, being the promised king, would have enough bread for the Gentiles. Jesus, being the promised king, has enough bread for the Gentiles. We're going to see this in two points this morning. The first point, that there is enough bread. And the second point, there is instant grace. So the first point, verses 21 through 27, there is enough bread. We come to our passage and we see that Jesus went away from there. He went away from the Pharisees. This is right after the conversation with the Pharisees about defilement. What makes a person unclean? What makes them unholy? What makes them sinful? Is it the breaking of traditions, which the Pharisees were arguing for, or was it the heart that Jesus was showing? The Pharisees think by just breaking the traditions, that makes a person sinful or righteous. But Jesus tells them it's not breaking traditions that make uh, uh, people sinful or righteous. It's the heart that makes people sinful. It is the evil thoughts that come to our mind that is an overflow from our hearts. That's what condemns us and makes us sinful. Jesus says. It's not the outward actions that are kept or unkept. It's the heart that condemns us. It's the heart that defiles us. It's the heart that makes us unclean. And so Jesus leaves the Pharisees who up to this point have rejected Jesus. Who are actively trying to ruin Jesus' reputation. They are enemies of Jesus. The leaders of Israel. And so Jesus goes to Tyre and Sidon. The prophet leaves Israel and goes to a Gentile country. If you're familiar with your Old Testament, this, this might ring a bell of another story. Of God calling Elijah to leave Israel because of God's judgment on Israel and go to Tyre and Sidon to a widow whose son had just died. 
God's judgment on Israel was to have the prophet leave Israel and go to a Gentile nation to raise the widow's dead child to life. And and now, in this passage, what we're seeing is something eerily similar to what the prophet Elijah did. As the, the people of God are making it known that they are going to reject their king, he is leaving Israel and going to the Gentiles. He is going to Tyre and Sidon. And as he gets to Tyre and Sidon, we're introduced to a Canaanite woman. She's on a mission. Her daughter is oppressed. Her daughter is oppressed by a demon. If you have a child, maybe a niece or a nephew, imagine the pain, the heartache of seeing your child go through fits of rage or uncontrollable anger. We're told in some places that when children were oppressed by demons, that they would throw themselves into fires. They would try to drown themselves. They would convulse and almost have seizure-like episodes. So think of this mom. A mother's heart toward their child. Breaking seeing their daughter in such pain and agony and not being able to do anything about it. Wondering to herself, will this ever end? And she hears about Jesus, the One who has a 100% accuracy in curing people with this type of disease. This type of oppression. And she comes to Jesus. And what does she say to Jesus? Have mercy on me, son of David. This is a Canaanite woman. A Canaanite woman. The Canaanites, just so that way we're all on the same page, were known enemies of the people of Israel. There was conflict. Deep-seated conflict. Conflict that went back thousands of years. Conflict that had wars and turmoil and, and a body count. And this Canaanite woman is coming up to a Jewish man and calling Him the Son of David. The, the, the Promised One. 
a Gentile attributing to Jesus that He is the Son of David, the fulfillment of the prophecy, the Messiah, the forever King who would establish a forever rule and reign for His people. This could almost be seen by her people that she's committing treason going to Him. That she's going to the King of kings, the promised one of the Son of David, and she pleads with Him, have mercy, Son of David. She seems to be doing everything right. Doesn't it? She's going to to Jesus. She's asking for Him to have mercy on her. She's calling Him Son of David. Something that the Pharisees aren't even doing. The people who know the Scripture so well are refusing to do it. And here's this Canaanite Gentile woman coming to Him. Calling Him Son of David. She's taking the right steps. Respecting This man called Jesus. And what do we see happen? As she asks for help with her daughter, he's silent. Not A word as she is following him, pleading with him. She does not receive an answer from him. One of the greatest things that you could do as a parent, a grandparent, a an aunt, an uncle, is plead to the Lord on behalf of your nieces and nephews and children and grandchildren. That they would know the Lord. I remember a few years ago going to a conference in in Bristol with a group of pastors here in the area and we stayed at this couple's house. And I remember sitting down and having dinner with them and and they were talking about their children whom all of them were walking with the Lord faithfully. Adult children walking with the Lord faithfully. And I asked them, being a young parent, how did you do it? Give me the formula. I so desperately want my sons to love Jesus. And their answer to me, We prayed. We didn't compromise our faith. And when our parents asked us what they could do to help us, we said, pray for the salvation of their souls. That is the most important thing as grandparents that you could do for us. Do you plead for the salvation of of your children and grandchildren and nieces and nephews? 
Do you feel at times as if you plead and plead and you're doing all the right things and yet you don't feel that you've heard an answer? That it's quiet? That Jesus has almost shut His mouth on purpose. Because this is what is happening. Jesus is intentionally being quiet. Why? We'll see as we continue to move on. Jesus is quiet with her but the disciples are annoyed with her. Isn't it interesting how when the crowd of 5,000 people are there, what's the disciples' reaction when it's nighttime and Jesus is done healing people? Jesus, send them away. It's almost as if Matthew wants us to see that the disciples are a little bit slow in their learning. The disciples here, again, they're, they're annoyed. They're frustrated. Jesus, send this woman away. Just tell her to go, to scram, to get out of here. She's pestering us. Get her to leave. We don't have time for her. And plus, on top of that, she's, she's a Gentile. She's a Canaanite. We don't interact with those people. And yet, we see something happen that only continues to build on the weight of what's taking place. This woman has had it. And Jesus answers His disciples saying, remember, I've, I've only come to the lost sheep of Israel. When I sent you out, I sent you out and told you, only go to the house of Israel. Not to the Gentiles. Only to the house of Israel. And as, as the woman hears this, what happens next? She kneels before Him. She stops Him from being able to move forward any further by kneeling in front of Him, saying, Lord, help me. There's that two-letter word again. Help me. If you're in a season right now where you feel that the Lord has been silent, this two-letter prayer is one of the most amazing prayers that you can pray. Something as simple as, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me. I've got no clue what to pray, but I know that the Spirit is interceding for me. Help me. She only continues to respect and revere Him all the more. She knows that she's in front of the, the, the uh, prophets, 
the one who was prophesied about to be the, the son of David, to establish David's forever kingdom. And so she pays homage to him. The one who doesn't have a, 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 a roof to call home. She pays homage to him. Son of David, have mercy. She kneels, help me. And yet Jesus' response seems to be cold to her. The disciples seem to be annoyed with her. And yet, it only continues to get worse before it gets better. Jesus looks at her and He says it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, my dad told me it's not a good idea to call a woman a dog. It's a disrespectful thing. What's Jesus doing here? Is it disrespectful of what Jesus just said? No. What Jesus is doing here is He's reminding her and showing her Israel, those who are outside of Israel. He is reminding her, like dogs, that she is unclean. This is the conversation Jesus just had with the Pharisees. What makes a person clean and unclean? What defiles a person and what doesn't defile a person? And He is calling her unclean. That He was sent to the lost house of Israel. What's with this bread imagery too? We saw at the end of, of chapter 14 what this bread imagery meant, didn't we? As Jesus is feeding 5,000 with what? Bread. And the, the people then want to make Him king and, and He tells them, wait a second, wait a second, you don't want physical bread. You need something more than physical bread. You need the bread of life, which I am the bread of life. You need Me. And so what Jesus is doing here is, is saying that the children of Israel need the bread of life. Do we throw that to the dogs? To the unclean? What is her response? And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbles that fall from their master's table. She acknowledges, I am unclean. I am unworthy to sit at the table. And yet Jesus, I know there's enough bread even if it's just the crumbs. That's enough bread. 
What's going on here? We're seeing a transition happen in Matthew. As Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience, Matthew is putting this here to remind us that Jesus came to be a blessing to the nations. The kingdom of heaven expands not just to Israel, but to the Gentiles as well. And this Gentile Canaanite woman who would have been seen as an enemy is coming to Jesus and pleading with Jesus and, and telling Jesus, yes, I, I, I know that you have come for Israel, but I, I know that there is enough bread to overflow and that the crumbles that overflow, the dogs can even eat too. The, the unclean people who are outside can eat as well. What she is saying here is there is enough bread of life, not just for the house of Israel, but for the Gentiles as well. Or let me say it like this. There is enough mercy for me as well. Because the mercy that you have overflows off the table. The mercy that you have is worth it even if it is crumbles. See, this, this passage has less to do with a daughter and more to do with her salvation. As we see, as we move on to our second point, that there is instant grace then that comes from this. As the woman's persistence continues to amplify and she is bold enough to come to Jesus and say, yes, Jesus, but, but even the, the crumbs of mercy are eaten by the stray dogs. Jesus looks at her and answers her, oh woman, great is your faith. Be it done as you desire. You know one of the other passages that this is linked to is is when a group of friends bring their paralyzed friend and, and crack open somebody's roof and lower their paralyzed friend through the roof. And Jesus looks at that man and says, and marvels at his faith and says, your sins are forgiven. This is what's taking place here. Her persistence that God's mercy even extends to the Gentiles leads to Jesus marveling at her faith. A Canaanite woman gets it. Something that the religious leaders are blind to and cannot see. So here's one of the questions that I'm thinking through as I'm going through this passage. Is it that she had great faith in Jesus that 
He marvels at her faith. I would say no. I would say it's her persistent faith in Jesus. This is what makes somebody's faith great. Is their persistent faith in Jesus. I wonder if, if you're here with us this morning and you just feel that your faith is like a roller coaster. Ups, downs, loops, twists and turns and corkscrews and bottlenecks and whatever else they do on roller coasters. Seasons of incredible faith and incredible doubt. It's persistence in trusting Jesus that makes your faith great. Coming to Jesus. Lord, have mercy, Son of David, recognizing who Jesus is. When He's silent, coming before Him even more, help me, Jesus. When you're reminded of who you are and the unclean heart that you have, you, you pray back, yes, yes, I am unclean, I, I am sinful, but Your mercy, even if it's crumbs, is enough to keep me. Persistent faith is what great faith is. Even persistent faith that's the size of a mustard seed is great faith. And what's the outcome of this whole exchange? And her daughter was healed instantly. Her daughter wasn't by Jesus. In fact, we, we don't even know the proximity of where the daughter was. But what we do know is that the daughter wasn't there. It was only the mother. Only the mother came before Jesus. And yet instantly the daughter is healed. You know, I struggled a lot with knowing that I was a sinner. And yet had the hardest time understanding what grace was. I knew I needed Jesus. But I always thought if I could clean my life up and get close enough to Jesus, then maybe, just maybe, I could partake and be forgiven of my sins. And yet, that's not how it works. Jesus doesn't need to be by you to forgive you. In fact, Jesus right now is reigning victoriously as we wait for His return, interceding for us on our behalf. The moment you trust in Jesus, what happens? 
you are instantaneously forgiven of your sins. Your sin is taken from you, and you are immediately adopted into the family and given Christ's righteousness. You don't have to work for this righteousness. This righteousness comes from Jesus. You don't have to clean up your life and try to make your way to Jesus to instantly have this grace. All you need to do is just trust in Jesus. Trust. Trust in Jesus. If you're here this morning and you do not trust in Jesus and the weight of your sin is overbearing, And you're wondering, how can I receive this? It's trust. And you too can be instantly forgiven. Instantly healed from your sin-sick heart. So let me finish this morning with a question. Are you urgently and persistently looking to Jesus for the bread of life that will satisfy your soul? Are you? Are you looking to Jesus, even still now, to satisfy your soul as the bread of life? Or have you turned to something else? Maybe it's work that you're trying to find fulfillment and satisfaction from. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's money or a few more drinks of Miller Lite than you should have. Maybe we're we're more sophisticated in Wisconsin, so spotted cow. What type of bread have you turned to? Because let me warn you, that bread will not satisfy. Look, there's, there's a reason why we can eat a full bag of chips and never be full. It's not supposed to make us full. It won't satisfy our hunger. But Jesus will. So what do we do then? If you're sitting here right now thinking, I've turned, I've looked for work or money or status as this new bread to satisfy me. Repent. Repent. And then let me finish and encourage you with this. Don't feel condemnation. Because James tells us he gives more grace. So what if you messed up? Come to Jesus, repent, because He gives more grace. Even if it's crumbs. Even if it's crumbs. There's more grace. More grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that 
when we woke up this morning, we woke up with new mercies. We thank You that as we go to sleep tonight, we have not exhausted those mercies. And as we wake up tomorrow morning, we will be met with brand new mercies again. Thank You for sending Your Son even to the dog Gentiles like us so that we could have salvation and be made right with you.